I'm rather busy. Uh, now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. All right, so we've reached the end of the second season. Yeah, I, I, I remember liking this season a lot more when I first saw the show than I think I did this time. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I think especially the, the middle of the season was, was not great. Yeah, and I seem to remember the whole the Mimi bit being a little more significant. In reality, it's more of a setup for this revelation that they were in foster care and that there was that they, that uh, the girls had a half brother who was somehow abusive, and that's going to be one of the spoilers, one of the major arcs of the third season. Yes, and I think that um, I mean it seems clear to me that Bryce was sexually abusive to Tara. Yeah, they're he, they're vague about it, but that's definitely on the table. Now uh, we have to kind of track this, of course, because one of the things about the end of the first season was, and this seems to be a pattern the show is developing. If you can call you know two instances of something a pattern, mm-hmm. technically I guess it's not, but we'll call it that because the show is only three seasons long. You know, the first season ended to to kind of refresh everyone with the sort of revelation that the the sexual assault or sexual abuse that happened while Tara was at boarding school, um, and also wow, her parents really love sending her away places. Yeah, it was not uh, uh, the precipitating event for for her um, mental illness. Well, and actually, that wonders. I one wonders if that's why Tara was sent away to boarding school again, get her out of the house. But uh, I don't know. I don't remember because it doesn't sound like Bryce was around after. Mm-hmm. Um, well, again, third season, we'll get into that. We'll find out what happened to Bryce, right? But you know, and so revelation is that that was not the precipitating event, and now the revelation is kind of the idea is that whatever was going on in that house was what caused Tara to have this mental illness develop. Yeah, it also seems to make a little bit of sense in terms of tracking where the different alters are coming in, of course, yes. because Alice is pretty much Mimi Chicken, which is the new alter that comes out, you know, in these two episodes. Is a childish version of Tara. Self, yeah. You also have uh, uh, um, Gimme is more of the feral animal type, but Buck we don't really have an exact origin for. I don't think Buck no, and also I don't think we really have an exact origin for T. Yeah. Although depending on how alters develop, I mean Shoshana was a new alter, and so it could just be that this is how. I mean one well, of the, one of the things the show seems to be saying about dissociative identity disorder is that once this condition develops once this trauma happens and and your brain develops these new personalities in an attempt to shield you from Mm -hmm. abuse or trauma or whatever it is that that is how your brain works all the time and so when new traumas when new stressors come into your life your brain may create a new personality to help you with it which is what happened with shoshana earlier on in this season now again this is we don't really have you know we're not therapists and we are definitely talking about the show's incarnation of did but i think that is one area where it doesn't quite match up to reality in other words more commonly number one most people with did don't have a half dozen alters that they, you know, transform into with costume changes and everything. That's a obviously exaggerated. And I'm also not. Sh- I always got the sense that it's more you have like one or two, really, right? Mean, for them. But of course, you know, this is it's a TV show. It's a TV incarnation of the disorder. And even if 
uh, this could be an, an extreme case based on real. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I remember that, you know, way back when we first started talking about the show, there, 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 we, we said that there could have been ways that this went very wrong. And yeah. It could have been played for laughs. It could have been played as high comedy. And it's not. I mean, this is taken very seriously. This is this is a serious show. The, you know, it's it's funny as well. And there are funny lines. And I mean, one of my favorite lines in the second episode was, uh, yeah, yeah, dad hates Indians whatever you know and so or like charmaine is becoming really fucking funny in these episodes like i i loved her when she uh would you say you know oh for our bachelorette party we're gonna go and you know meet our meet this you know mimi parmenter is this much fun even legal like she's getting a lot of you know self-awareness about it well i think it's the, charmaine's interesting to me especially with with what happens in mm-hmm. in uh to have and to hold is that or no, not from this day forward. Again, the episodes just yeah. kind of you know blur, blur together. But in the second episode, of course, Nick decides not to marry her, and I actually forgotten that that happened. Yeah. I, I knew that they didn't get married, but I, I didn't remember how that happened. And it's kind of a disgusting scene. Ben, we'll talk about it. But one of the things that it kind of makes me realize is that Charmaine is becoming more self aware in some areas, even as. I think she's becoming more comfortable at being self-aware even as she's still lying to herself. So it's almost as yeah. though she's got these two warring halves of her personality, which, of course, nicely slots into the theme of the show with Tara. But, you know, she's not really convinced that she likes Nick and she's not really convinced that he likes her or is in love with her. They, they want to get married, but this is her one grasp at normality and that is a that is a theme that has been throughout this season and throughout these last two episodes i think in these last two episodes we see charmaine finally just giving up the bullshit in a lot of ways like she she reacts frankly to the being left at the altar very well i mean she's upset as anybody would be about as well as you can i suppose exactly but you know at the end, she's going off with Neil, and you know they're going to go to the bar, and you know she's and she, she is not going to drink because she is pregnant. <laughs> but yeah, but they, they, I, I, I mean that that's that's a healthy way of getting over this. I would say she she recognizes, I think, that this really wasn't the path for her. Um, and frankly, in the first episode, as again, we were saying that she's doing a lot more to help her sister and to recognize Tara's mm-hmm. condition and in this you know she's willing she's willing to go instead of having a bachelorette party she, again she does go and she meets this her foster mother with her sister to figure out a bit more about Tara's condition she confronts her mother she's doing all of these things that she ordinarily wouldn't do because she's finally at the point where Yes, she has that speech to Tara where she say, you know, this is my wedding day. This is finally I can be in a normal family. But I think when everything breaks down, she realize this is about a lot of the characters realizing they're never going to be in a normal family. Kate as well, but certainly Charmaine mostly is or this, or, this is or, the, or what they think is a normal family. Well, I mean, I don't yeah. think that normal families exist. And, no, and that's fair. And and you know, you can project the appearance of normality in as much as it slots in with what we expect societally or culturally from quote unquote normal families. Yeah. But of course, you know, the people are drinking and there's sexual abuse and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Even in those families. Well, that's very much where we I mean, we see the Tara and Charmaine's mother 
how how she so so the backstory with this with Bryce is that the you know the father had been married, divorced his wife, the kid was left with the mother, he remarried, had the two girls, and then suddenly this boy is back in their lives and what the mother says is that he was going to leave her he, he basically gave her it's me or you know you're not kicking this boy out i'm staying with him so you know make your choice and you know the mother is unable to make the real right choice for her girls because she kind of wants to have the picture perfect life still she doesn't want to get the divorce she doesn't want to really acknowledge the fact that her husband's son is a sexual molester. You know, they, she... Well, I think it's... I mean, I, I don't necessarily... I, I, I appreciate that she was in an extraordinarily difficult position. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with that read, but I also don't know that she knew that Bryce was that damaged before he came to live with them. No, no, no. I, 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 and letting him in the house, I don't think was a prop. I, I don't think that was exactly the problem for her. I mean, I, you don't get the sense... I don't get the sense that she protested that you know him saying oh i have a son from a previous marriage he's a bit of trouble but he's gonna i think she would be fine with that when when the actual abuse gets oh, yeah, learn yeah, about yeah. that certainly is it, seem, well, it, it, it seems like that's the point when the father makes the ultimatum yeah i don't i don't know if i remember an ultimatum but he she definitely does say that he was he huh. you know he would refuse to send bryce back well i was drunk when i watched these episodes yeah. so i don't know well uh i was not drunk uh, yeah, no, I think that, that the one thing about that whole revelation, of course, is that it, it, it does crystallize, I think, both um, Tara's father and mother reactions to them. I also mm-hmm. think that it does color Tara's father's reactions to, to his daughters in a way because I, I kind of get the feeling, and this is just me extrapolating, but you can really see that he's an older man. He's yeah. a little racist. He's a little whatever. And so... The son he is might, a lot more important right, than Right, that's what I'm saying, is that he just might not have cared as much about Tara and Charmaine as he did about Bryce. Mm. And yes, of course, I'm sure he was upset that Bryce was possibly sexually molesting Tara yeah. and maybe Charmaine, we don't know. I mean, we don't know that sexual assault was happening either, but that was definitely implied in the episode. So it, it's it's a little more than just a brother picking on the girls. Again, Mimi says that she was given children who had suffered, quote, the worst abuse. So whether or not Bryce sexually abused the girls or not, that uh, you know, it, it's not like anything else he would have done was okay. Like whatever right. he did was just horrible. But the other thing, too, is that I, I think they would have had to have been extremely young not to remember any of this. Well, because, they're four and five, it's implied, when they go. Yeah, but that even seems, I mean, that even seems too old to me. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I have memories from when I was three and four sure. and five. So... Well, we don't know how long they were at Mimi's as well. It could have just been a three or a four month period of time that and frankly the two sisters make this promise to protect each other and right. it doesn't you know, this is obviously something that Charmaine repressed and that Tara, you know, had her alters deal with. And so this those those months of time that they were with Mimi were not the uh, most pleasant things to remember, and they weren't in the most uh, stable place to remember it either. When you think about stuff that happened when you were a little kid, you were probably in a in a better place than Tara and Charmaine were. Mm, probably, I, I think that 
the other thing, of course, that's interesting about that scene in in, in the first episode is when T comes out. And, yeah, and T, it's nice to see T again. I'm glad she's back from Seattle. <laughs> But she yeah. is doing pretty much the same thing that she did at the end of the first season, only this time she's lying. Well, and I don't know what that means. Here's the thing. So, so there's this guy, Dwayne, that's uh, – is that Mimi's husband, I guess? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he knows the girls and T knows him. So number one, T was obviously around when – No, were- I think she's lying. Huh. Because they do say in the episode, Mimi says, he wasn't here then. Okay. So, no, she oh. was completely lying. Okay, I didn't catch that part. Yeah. But that's an odd thing then. Right. Like, so I think that T, in a sense, was maybe trying to help Tara by convincing everyone that Dwayne molested Tara. And so that was what happened as well. Do I you guess know what I that's – yeah, I guess that's what I don't understand if T is – uh you know, outing Dwayne as as a child molester. That's one, th- just as she did in the first season uh, when she, it, it turned out that she was the one who dealt with, uh, what the hell is his name? Uh, Buck. No, not Buck. Buck. Uh, Whatever his name, Trip. Trip, Trip Johansson. <laughs> um, no, but I think that, uh, what I'm saying is that I think that T was trying to help in a certain way in the same way that she helped in the first season, mm-hmm. only this time she's lying. And if one thing is true about this season, the alters are not developing their own personalities because they are having their own personalities, but they are almost developing an internal life aside from Tara. Yeah. And so the the sense I'm getting is that, you know, Alice has different expectations and different beliefs and different whatever yeah. she wants going on. Buck certainly does. All of the characters, and, all of the alters have different agendas. Right. And T has an agenda as well. And and T is a liar. Like mm. that is really what it's coming down to. And we've seen T lie before. We've seen yeah. T be very irresponsible before. And so this does not surprise me. No, no. I, okay. See, th- what I thought was that, you know, Dwayne. What I thought was that she had been accusing Dwayne of something untoward, and that T maybe was the alter that unfortunately no. dealt with these sexual abuse. No, that- Mimi explicitly because okay. Charmaine says he wasn't here then, and Mimi says no, he wasn't. No. So no, he you know. Okay. Now, whether or not Dwayne's a good guy or not, who knows? But that's irrelevant at this point. I mean, you would one would assume Mimi could be lying too, but it doesn't seem like she would be. One so. would assume that a woman who spends the you know just about her entire adult life helping you know abused children is going to be very careful in who she chooses to marry in that regard. But well, what I think is really um, yeah, yeah, sure. And I also think that what is what is really interesting about both the the end of the first season and the end of the second season is that. Neither of the people that are boogeyman throughout the entirety of the season mm. in in the first season it's Trip and in the second season it's Mimi. Neither of them turn out to be like really bad people. No, Trip. You know, Trip, Trip did some shitty things when he was a teenager. It's it's but it sounds like it was consensual, and it also sounds like it was T. So Tara having this blackout period. Tara thinking mm. that. Tara was sexually assaulted. Now, of course, you could argue that Tara was sexually assaulted because she was not in control of her own body. T was, but he apparently had no way of knowing that. It's a fine line to walk, of course. But it doesn't seem to me that Trip is some sort of rapist monster. No, and also Mimi's a very nice person. We can, you know, with Trip, we can certainly 
you know, there was a very long conversation about date rape and consent and stuff, but it isn't a, it isn't a case where he, you know, beat and raped her or she was unconscious. No, like it, right. was, it, it, it was not necessarily an entirely consensual encounter, but at the same time, he's – yeah, that that's uh, – yeah, maybe turns out to be good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that's an interesting choice, and it makes me think what, you know, what the third season is going to be. And also both of – both – in a way, Tara believes that Trip Joh- meeting Trip Johansson is going to be the key to everything. She believes that meeting Mimi is going to be the key to everything. And really, they just bring deeper questions and they make – this is not a – one of the things I love about the show is that Tara's DID isn't the product of one incident, which when they figure it out, you know, suddenly there will be the revelation and she'll be cured. The show genuinely underst- – uh, the show understands that that's not how psychology works. That's not how these illnesses do work. You know, certainly Tara wants the truth. She's looking – she's questing for the truth and she's finding it and she is getting insight. But the truth is not always fixing everything. Yeah, the truth is not always fixing everything. And also, you know, the fact of the matter is you can't boil it down to one precipitating event. Yeah. There, there's just no way to do that. Well, uh, uh, a condition this uh, extreme isn't going to be caused by one event. And right. It may not even be caused by an event. It, uh, it could simply just be the way her brain is wired and, you know, or it could be the kind of thing where – because obviously Charmaine went through the same stuff that Tara did, but – her issues are in a completely different direction. Charmaine is actually not a real personality. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, and I think also, uh, you know, to move aside from Tara for a minute, I think that one of the interesting things about it as well is that, you know, Tara is obviously struggling with normality. Max is struggling with normality. And, you know, Charmaine is as well. Charmaine is obviously her whole storyline this season mm. was about trying to be normal. And also uh, Kate is latching onto a man again in an attempt to be normal. And Marshall is... Sorry, was that... Marshall is gay? No, uh, Marshall is... uh, I'm sorry, was that where you were going with this? Uh, Marshall is very much struggling for normality in his identity. He wants to be a version of... He wants to be a straight dude who sucks dick in a lot of ways. He wants to have the romance and the marriage and the boyfriend and all of that. Um, And he feels that anything else is going to be again th- this show is very much going into that teenage i have to choose between love and sex kind of a thing uh, he believes that lionel's going around to the park is means that lionel will never find love in a way and that any anonymous hookup sex is not now you know w- w- well i think that i mean that that's really i mean I, was say, I know there's a difference between park cruising and casual sex as well. There, there is. I mean, yeah, and and there's a whole lot of stuff going on there because Lionel's like 15, maybe yeah. 16. That guy was obviously not 16, you know. And so there's a lot of stuff going on here where you know Lionel being gay and growing up in in Kansas City or Irvine Park, wherever the hell they are, and Marshall growing up gay in that area. You know, they're having different reactions to it. Lionel is, um, you know, the type of gay person that, or the gay the type of gay man that really can't be in the closet yeah 
Uh, and Marshall is, to some degree. I mean, Marshall is quote-unquote straight acting as much as anybody is. Marshall reads as more nerdy and artistic right. rather than, yeah. Lionel reads as a fag. And and I'm saying that. You know, you can't say that. I can say that. You can say that. Our <laughs> listeners at home, you may or may not be able. If you want to say that, you have to send us dirty pictures of you. Sure. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Truckaboutshow at gmail.com. We don't have an email address for tuning in. Sorry. Oh. Uh, is that... It's a fine line to walk because the show is doing something interesting. Like, I kind of forgotten where this went. And one of the things that I think is hard to grapple with is that Marshall is essentially, um, in this season, a lot of it is about shutting down his homosexuality because yeah. he doesn't feel like it's normal or doesn't feel like something he wants to, well, to deal with. And Lionel is going the exact opposite direction, the sort of, like, act up radical queer activist sort of thing you know fuck marriage who wants this Mm -hmm. you know i don't want any of this i just want to go suck dick in the park and that's not also very satisfactory and you know as someone who has had casual sex i'm pretty much over that at this point in my life like i don't really need to have it anymore and you know i'm sex positive i enjoy sex all these kind of things but you know once you get to be a certain age you're like all right i've had sex i don't really i mean what's 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 another random hookup gonna do for me yeah and, so, and i mean i i found in my if we're gonna get personal about i mean my own casual sex late you know of i mean i'm in a relationship now but before you know before that the casual sex i was having was also much more romantic than this park encounter you know what i mean like i i well because i think it's it you know that and that's what really you yeah. know lionel is not realizing i think and of course lionel is not realizing this because lionel is a teenager yeah but there is a way to have casual sex that is respectful and yeah. is meaningful and is fun and is two people coming together to treat each other as real people in that moment. If you only see each other for an hour, that doesn't preclude you from loving each other for the hour. Yeah, that's and that's kind of the happy medium between Marshall wanting the romance and Lionel wanting the sex. I mean, I think when you say that Marshall is shutting down his homosexuality, I think it's... I, I think the distinction that needs to be made is that Marshall isn't sure where the sex and the culture begin and end. I mean, he... Marshall... I think realizes very quickly, especially, and needs Courtney to kind of prove that last kind of percentage of am I possibly bi or straight. Uh, I think Marshall is very sure that he likes dudes, uh, but he doesn't know what that means. I mean, that the neighbor taking him home and Marshall saying, uh, you know, I like dudes, but I also like old films. Uh, I don't know what kind of gay I am. And the neighbor saying, well, that's just gay. All you need to do is, you know, be with another dude. And that, that, but that, that is the kind of, I mean, it, it's something that, you know, queer people do go through realizing what, 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 how do I live my life in such a way? But I think, I think everybody kind of goes through that. You have your, sure. you have your images from pop culture. Certainly, Kate is going through a lot of those. And what also, Charmaine is going through that, too. I mean, she wants someone who is not traditionally attractive. She wants someone who yeah. is not uh, 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 the ideal romantic sexual partner, husband, father. But she wants him. Yeah. And so that's really what she's grappling with at this point. Now, I not, mean, not to move away from Marshall too quickly, but you know, maybe the last thing I'll say about Marshall and Lionel is that... Um, you know, I, I don't know that they work together very well, but I think that they're going to have a very nice, uh, uh, possibly short high school 
relationship. Yeah. You know, I, I think that what I mean, they li- make- Lionel is is learning how to be gay in an environment that is very hostile to being gay. Yeah. He is taking his he he's taking his sort of ideas about what it means to be a gay man from, I don't know, watching like gay sex in the seventies documentaries or something. And, and I'm not saying that to be funny. No. I actually think that's partly where he's well, getting his ideas from. And, and also from pop culture. Remember this is not that far removed from the early mid two thousands where, which was queer for the straight guy and will and grace, which was, you know, glad was saying will and grace was great. That was a fucking minstrel show. And well, yeah, but I don't, well, no, but I, what I'm saying is that you have. They also, I mean, unless I missed an episode of that show, there was never an episode where they were cruising in a park. No, and that that's part of the other issue with that. I think the for Lionel, it's either gay sex in the '70s or asexual, and you know, pandering to straight people. I don't know if it's that simple though, hmm. because he does argue with Zach about same-sex marriage. That's, yeah, he supports it. I, I think that Lionel just doesn't know where to find both of those things Again, or, or, or most of what he wants. And I actually think that Marshall is is really good for him because Marshall is not that interested in getting random blowjobs from creepy old dudes at the park. Marshall is interested in you know comfort and and touch and and all of those things and those are things that i think lionel is also reacting to Mm. you know and also let's not put too fine a point on it but you know marshall and liner are also age appropriate yeah so they're going to figure this out together and it's going to be adorable we should talk briefly about uh, Lionel's home life, though, because that's, I think, a factor as well. Uh, in yeah, I mean, we don't know does... that much about it, but the, pretty much the only thing he said about it is that his mother doesn't really care where he is or what he's doing, which he... implies that they they don't have he doesn't have very good role models. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Marshall and especially Kate this season not having much in the way of their parents around. But number one, Kate is also – she's about 17 at this point. I think so. She's I, – I, I think she's underage but not much, much underage. And, you know, so her being by herself to explore, you know, her identity and her sexuality is also kind of an appropriate thing. And also the parents not being around is symptomatic of this season is a major break in the family. Yeah, this is about yeah. the family stretched to a very, you know, some very difficult points and ultimately becoming closer. It, this is an anomalous situation for Marshall. For for Lionel, that's the case. You know, Tara and Max may not always want to be there, be, may not always be able to be there for their children, but they want to. Yeah. Lionel's parents don't seem to give a shit. Yeah, they don't seem to give a shit. I, you know, and I and I think that, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Lionel and Marshall, but the final thing that I want to say about that before we move on to Kate and Zach, because, whoa, is uh, there? I think there's one key exchange in the first episode that makes it very clear where Marshall and Lionel are getting some of their, uh, you know, expectations surrounding love and sex from, where, you know, Lionel says, oh, I went back and had sex with that guy, and Marshall says, you went all the way with him? Yeah. And it's like, that is such a hetero, I don't use this word a lot, but it's such a heteronormative sort of straight I mean, it's thing. like 1950s, you know, terminology, isn't it? Like, it seems well, like old Well, it's 1950s terminology, but it's also, it's also equating sex, having sex with penetration. Yeah. 
And one of the great things about being gay is that you can have sex that is not just butt fucking. Mm. And so Marshall saying that to Lionel is indicative of the fact that Marshall is, is not really clear about what gay sex even means. I've also, I mean, and aside, I mean, this is an aside, but I've also found that a lot of younger gay men also have this weird idea about, Oh, you haven't really had sex unless you've had anal sex. And it's like, well, okay, but that's not really true. I mean, a lot of straight people have that too. I mean, two straight people can have a lot of sexy stuff without any penetration too. Right. Well, that's my point. Yeah. Is that straight people would be having a lot more sex (laughs) if they broaden their definition of sex in the same way that gay people have. Yeah. And Marshall not broadening that definition of sex indicates that he has, still has a long way to go. Yeah, that's fair. Well, let's talk about um, uh, Kate and, and Zach then, because yeah. uh, um, wh- so, what, what the fuck is happening? Okay, so... I, I, I'm very disturbed, and, and this makes me uncomfortable, and I'm worried for Kate, and I think Zach might murder her. Well, I'm not worried for Kate, because I think she handles the Zach situation very well, but... Um, so I, I I mean he's some sort of like weird creepy libertarian freedom promise yeah. guy, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I mean he's again we don't know what his family situation is either, but he's he makes a couple of very major mis- you know things. Nick is talking about signs, you know, in his when he breaks off the wedding and I think in the second episode Kate has finally picked up all the signs and has acted on them a lot sooner than Nick and Charmaine did. But, yeah. you know, she's recognized this is not exactly the situation I want. Um, I think it's a nice parallel to Tara's story where she had to escape a legitimately abusive household by going into foster care and dealing with all of these problems. Um, Zach, number one, say you know, calling her, her mother schizophrenic, which... Kate's very patiently does the spiel of, no, it's not schizophrenia, and probably has already explained this to him. And, I mean, that's a speech she knows by heart Mm -hmm. at this point in her life um, and probably doesn't have that much patience for people making the mistake after she's explained it at this point as well. Um, And the fact that he keeps saying you're in an abusive situation and Kate's like, oh, it's not really abusive. I mean, she doesn't want a penthouse apartment because – she needs to escape because she fears for her life. She wants a penthouse apartment because she's 17 and she can get a dream house. You know, that, that, that's it. She's more enjoying. Yeah. And she's in it for the fun of it. And I think towards the end, she realizes the price that she has to pay for this is a little like once the, it's, it's just a fantasy for her. It's just something fun. She can shop and that's about it. But once she realizes the reality behind it, she well i i I don't worry about kate i guess i mean i'm kind of kidding i don't really no i know i'm not worried about her but i think that yeah and especially what she does in the second episode in the season finale is is fantastic and good for her you know i why why the zach storyline creeps me out so much is that he has all the markers of abusive controlling yeah of of an abusive controlling man and oh yeah you know he is uh uh you know giving kate a lot of money he is trying to change her. He is trying to move her out of her house. He is trying to um, subtly and not so subtly divorce her from her family and yeah. her friends and her parents and isolate her. Yeah. These are all classic abuser symptoms. Oh, yeah. And so 
I don't think that Zach is a good guy. And no, and I, I mean, in the past episode, he said, "Oh my god, I shouldn't be in this room," and leaves. And you think, all right, he's going to leave, but he comes back. And and it also, I think, yeah, sure, that's and- what brings him from a guy, a very lonely guy who, you know was charmed by Kate, but ultimately realized this is not an appropriate relationship and moved on before. And honestly, I mean, like, I'm not that worried about a 27-year-old dating a 17-year-old. I was about to ask, I mean... You know, it's not ideal, but... In terms of consent, that's legal, right? Um, In some states, it is. I don't know what Kansas is. uh, I don't know. Kansas, you can probably fuck when you're 11. I don't know. I've never understood consent laws, but that's a different story. We can have a conversation about it. Okay. Um, But yeah, I think that what what I really, what it really comes down to for me is that uh, uh, Zach is basically Nick right at the beginning of that relationship. And now you see the end of that where Nick is openly hostile and openly upset at the fact that Tara is, ill yeah and it's disgusting to see and yeah i mean i don't think he's a bad guy he's certainly not as bad a guy as zach seems to be but they have similar patterns Mm. of behavior that are i think one of the things that you can really i mean well one of the things you can really see as a through line or as a theme for this show is the the damage that men can do when they think that they own women. Yes. And you see that all throughout the show again and again. And who are the good guys in the show? Neil. Yeah. Max. Marshall. You know, like these are these are men that obviously respect, think women are, are people. They can do whatever yeah. they want. They they're helpful. They're understanding. They uh, 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 are empathetic. And then you have all the other men in the show, which are just horrible. And so I think that's what that's really coming down to. And but I even and I even because it's a show which has a, that very explicitly feminist point. But oh, it, yeah, it's not an you know it's not an anti man show. I mean, it definitely believes that there are good men out there, and that there sh- you you can be, and it should be, and this is something accessible. It's just yeah. Uh, well, these that's, people that, are chasing the wrong thing, right? And that's why I like, for example, I give Tara's mother a lot of slack because yeah. who the hell knows what it was like to grow up you know in in the 50s and then who like and also you know married to that man for so many years Mm -hmm. you know it's also interesting to me that that all of tara's traumas seem to be related around men at least so far so there is a element here which is very interesting to me you know this puts buck into a different line actually because i would say Buck is a very troubled character, but I would say he is a good man, too, the way that he yeah. interacts with and wishes to be that guy to Pammy. Um, but yeah, uh, Zach seems—Zach is white knighting in a lot of ways. I mean, the fact that he's calling her Catherine sounds absolutely medieval to me. <laughs> um, but I, And I guess the point with Zach is that he's going to get bored, isn't he? Like, he's— what is he going to do? You know, Kate isn't really thinking about six months from now. And frankly, the worst situation for Kate is that Zach decides to stop paying for and she has to move back in with her parents. You right. Know? That's as bad as Zach's going to – as Kate can will realistically get for that. But – and I think towards the end, Kate is realizing that too, that you know she's already starting to get bored with this situation. This is – irritating to her and she doesn't want to be that person there is 
frankly, what is Kate going to do in that penthouse all by herself at the time? Like, she's going to go out of her mind with boredom if she's not able to. You think he's going to want her to have a job? I mean, Kate is a very ambitious person who is going to run whatever company someday. I mean, yeah, I think so. And the, you know, the other, uh, I think, sort of creepy portion of that as well is is that, you know, none of this is really driven by Kate. You know, Kate has yeah. never really expressed much of a desire to realistically move out of the house or, or, or to leave her family or to do any of these things. And, and uh, beyond just, you know, you know she's nor- beyond she's getting older and she wants to have her own place, but sure, and normal frustrations, things like that. Yeah. But she's never explicitly said, wow, I want help to get out of my parents' house because yeah. it's so horrible here. And again, that is classic abuser behavior. So, you know, That's, I mean, yeah. I'm not totally in love with Kate this season because I do think that she's selfish and I do think that she is, um, you know, not really thinking about other people at all this season, Uh, especially Marshall. A lot of their interactions break my heart because Marshall is at a really bad place and he's at a crossroads and Kate doesn't really seem to be all that interested in it. At the same time, you know, some of that is due to the fact that that they're siblings, but it's also just a little hard to watch. Towards the end, though, she gets to get glimmers when she does find out that Lionel and Marshall are an item. She's genuinely happy. And that is kind of when she starts to break up with Zach. That's the first thing she said. You know, you told my brother that he shouldn't get married. I'm not I'm not okay with that. And then she begins to launch into a reason. Again, this a lot of the. A lot of this, the end of the season is these characters kind of snapping out of their yeah. their personal issues and needing to come together as a family, even though none of them are really resolved by the end of the season. Maybe Marshall's the only one who's kind of in a yeah. good place. You know, at the end, the family is just dancing and being silly together and at least struggling together. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that, you know, I'm glad you brought up the wedding because, you know, we haven't talked about that very much, but... I don't think there's a lot to say because it doesn't take up a large portion of, of, of the final episode. But it is interesting to me that it is this very nice wedding. It's very, you know, uh, a story of fairy, fairy book yeah. kind of wedding. It's and, the exact wedding you would imagine Charmaine wanting. But it's all it's all surface. It's all appearance. And, you know, Charmaine was marrying Nick and she says, oh, they're wonderful. They have a boat. They go sailing. <laughs> you know, it's all very like I'm looking at a catalog and this is I'm picking out the perfect family just as Kate is picking out her perfect apartment. Right. And then, but at the end of the episode, what it really comes down to is you've got these four people that are just goofily dancing in the backyard and they're, they're there for each other. Yeah. And that's, what's really important, not the appearance of it. And I think that that, again, you can see that all throughout the episode where Marshall's there for Lionel, Mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, Max is there for Tara, where Tara and Charmaine are there for each other where uh, uh, Neil is there for Charmaine. Yeah, I mean, with Charmaine and Neil, frankly, get along and have interests in common. I mean, they met at a Todd Rundgren concert. Like, they, they're they enjoying just... Charmaine is the kind of person who wants to just have the nice, quiet, you know, life with her husband, and they're going to knock back a few beers and watch TV kind of a thing. And That sounds great. Yeah, and I think Charmaine is finally at the point where she... Can I date Neil? You'll have to fight Charmaine for him. I can do that. I don't think she would be easy to fight. Well, not while she's pregnant. (laughs) I'm not going to fight a pregnant lady. Uh, Spoiler alert. She's going to have the baby. Why wouldn't she? Well, 
why wouldn't somebody have a baby on a drama, dramatic TV series? You're right. There's no possible way that storyline could go. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting. And again, going with uh, Neil initially saying you're going to make a terrible mother. The way Charmaine interacts with Chicken, I like very much. Mm, I think yeah. out of all of the alters, Charmaine actually really likes Chicken, and she finds her amusing. And I mean, she's playing with her sister again when she was a little she was a little girl, essentially. But she doesn't seem too upset about when she's at the wedding. You know, she's trying to play it off as a YouTube prank, and you know, she knows what's going to calm her down, and she's not that bothered by it. And the fact that Nick is treating this like it's the worst possible thing ever. Because it's is, ruining his perfect yeah, his perfect wedding. Like, listen, my fiance's sister is extraordinarily mentally ill. Like, you know, let her be. Right. It, it is all he needs to say. Right. But he doesn't care. Yeah. Essentially. And that's what it really comes down he to. Wants to and I actually think that, that that's a really, really good point is that you know, Nick saying to Charmaine that she's going to be a terrible mother is is obviously yeah. something calculated to wound her deeply. Yeah. But it's also not true. No. And I think Charmaine needed to get over her shit as she and maybe at the time it wasn't quite true. Charmaine grows up very quickly in these in the lat, latter half of the season and. That's not necessarily incidental to the fact that she is going to have a baby. A lot of people do get their shit together when a child's on the way, and yeah, it you know we've we're seeing her getting her shit together. Yeah, yeah. I really love that waitress at the restaurant that they go to. Like it's a it's an interesting contrast to the women at the department store in the first season. Mm, yeah, who are yeah. very condescending. Go, I mean. This waitress is a little too understanding. She's a little too nice about it. But at the same time, she does recognize that, you know, being at a restaurant with somebody with special needs, whatever that's defined at, is a difficult and possibly embarrassing situation. And that, and she is infinitely patient and sweet about it. And Charmaine isn't even embarrassed. I mean, by that point, Max and Charmaine are just too exhausted to kind of care, but... I mean, I think it is nice that the waitress does provide the space for, you know, Tara's illness to be okay. In a yeah, way. yeah. She does what the family at the wedding should have done, you know. It's, it's all right, you know. Everyone has their own situation, and that's fine, you know. Nick's family isn't, isn't able to provide that, and so, yeah. you know, if he didn't reject Charmaine— Charmaine, I think, would be rejecting him pretty on in their marriage. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think that that scene is a, a nice just encapsulation of the themes of the, especially the last two episodes. Mm. So we have in this season a family, again, struggling for normality, recognizing that they may never get to there, but that they're okay nonetheless. Or are they? Well, there's season three to... Give another answer to that question. But before we tell you what episodes we're doing next week. It's episode one and two of season three. God. Like it's a secret. If you, if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tuning in show is our username. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash trekaboutshow if you like our podcast and would like to give us a little bit of your hard-earned money or your easy-earned money. 
soft earned money if you run a yogurt uh stand and have like millions of dollars let us know we will take donations of frozen yogurt you can check out our patreon at patreon.com slash truck about show if you would like to give us a little bit of your money and it also supports our other podcast truck about which you probably know we have but just in case you don't you can find it at trekaboutshow.com. We are uh, rapidly getting to the end of Deep Space Nine. Not mm. just the end of a season, but the end of the show. We will never... Then then we can do the novels. Then we can do the novels. We're um, just going to skip over Voyager and Enterprise completely. It'll be great. Okay, I'm excited. But we'll never find out if Tuvok gets home. He gets home. Oh, good. Thank you for spoiling. <laughs> and as always... Please leave us a positive iTunes review. It is the best way for new fans to find the show. Next week, we will be starting the third and last season, Sob Sob, of United States of Terra. We're going to be talking about the episodes, You Will Not Win, which is all one word, very dramatic. It's written all creepy. And Cracker Jack. I will just say that uh, the episode titles did get a bit wacky in the second season, but not completely wacky. Uh, the third season has episode titles that I actually actively hate. Mm. So, But it's not indicative of the quality of the show. It's just indicative of the fact that I hate the episode titles. Yeah, this, this is not a well-titled episode show. No, it is not. So we will see you next week for You Will Not Win and Cracker Jack. The Mac. Why do you...